right. Good morning, class. Welcome to Art Eater Podcast 29. Uh, I'm your host, Richmond. I'm here with my co-host, Sean, and our frequent uh, guest host, uh, James. And today... Hey, everybody. Yes. Hello. Oh, man. Excited about today's podcast. Um, we are going to talk about Resident Evil. Uh, we're we're going to talk about the uh, Resident Evil 8, the Resident Evil Village teaser that was just released and then um just talk about you know our, our love for the series and how it's evolved over time and like what defines the uh the ethos of resident evil through the ages um yeah so let's uh let's just dig right in let's just jump right in um james do you want do you, you want to take the lead talk about the uh that new teaser that was just released oh my goodness yeah so interestingly enough uh you know i kind of like i i I didn't really jump on resident evil 8 too quickly i was like oh i just want to see more of it uh you know and and i just kind of just stayed away from it but watching the uh resident evil village new trailer i think it came out like two days ago there's a lot there that is pretty surprising um, you know, being a big fan of, you know, RE4, I mean, the first games as well, uh, there, there's a particular style and feel to this trailer that reminds me a lot of some things that we have wanted to see for a long time, but have not. Um, you know, if you're, I guess if you're as big of a Resident Evil fan as I am, you know all about the dev kits for the I guess the midpoints between Resident Evil 3 and 4 there's a lot of cool ideas that made it into 4 but some of them didn't and there's a lot of them that show up in this trailer uh obviously with uh the RE engine there's a lot of things that they can take advantage of that just make things look incredible um I was really blown away 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 by the just the entirety of the new the new trailer uh extremely polished confident feeling uh with re8 more so than in any other trailer i've seen for this game uh there's even some elements in there that are a little silent hill-esque and i wasn't expecting that um you know i i don't even know (laughs) where to really start out i mean i can start with like just the beginning of it of how they like kind of pull you in uh there's a particular dutch angle uh at the start that is very reminiscent of uh of silent hills uh, you know, you're on the ground and, you know, you're kind of disoriented and they kind of throw you into the whole idea of, you know, Chris is showing up kind of in his own, like, Wesker fashion, uh, introducing you to, I guess, the destabilizing event and it goes right to the, the Capcom logo and you're just, you know, inundated with beautiful environmental design, uh, character designs. It's just, there's a, a world to this that was very reminiscent of uh, Resident Evil 3.5, which was called a Hangman demo. You know, if you've never seen that, uh, it, it shows uh, some development between Resident Evil 3 and 4, uh, which serendipitously actually led to a build for the Devil May Cry series. Uh, uh, but there's a lot of elements that were pretty interesting, uh, and a lot of them are showing up here. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure that Richmond and Sean will join me in that. But uh, yeah, this game has a lot of art going on that is just it it, it it pulls you in honestly uh even if you're not really big into Resident evil uh it, there's something here that it definitely yeah. is a hearken to things of old with a new approach 
I, I can so. say that I, I hadn't been interested by the earlier trailers, but I have had a few experiences, like while watching some of the, the, the eight trailers, I've been like, I don't know if I'm really interested, but I'm gonna watch this anyway. And then there's definitely a part, a, a tipping point of each trailer where I'm like, uh, it's not really doing it for you, not really. And I'm like, oh, mm -hmm. maybe I do care about this game. And I'm like, oh, mm -hmm. <laughs> and they've been really teasing it. So it really hasn't yeah. shown you like, it hasn't like shown you as, as much but like i i feel like um just to be honest when i see i think uh james you're kind of alluded to this when i see um shades of seven i tend to disengage a little bit because i didn't really enjoy that approach even though i think it's a fine yeah. game but when i see shades of like uh like re4 or i see shades of two or i see shades of silent hill i'm like oh yeah i'm here for that uh yeah. bring, bring me in yeah. um so, but but it's hard to put your finger on, at least especially right now, uh, what they're actually going to be doing um, in RE8. So, definitely know what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, go for it. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it, it's almost like uh, I feel like this should be a case study for how this trailer was cut, uh, because there's there's specific things that are that are being done here that it's it's like a it's like a love letter to like new fans that don't know they like resident evil yet and people who have been following resident evil from the beginning up to now or from four up to now uh and i i think that that's a a, a smart decision to have elements that bring in because a lot of the, the 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 trailer is pretty transparent you know a lot of these angles are le definitely first person camera um you know no huds obviously but just like slow kind of drone pans through environments so you can soak them in uh but then there's other elements that again feel like they could be from resident evil 4 that feel like they could be from a time where we had a different director so there's a lot of respect to source material uh, but also just i mean there's 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 a moment in this trailer where you know it's it's pulling you in it's got this very dark sort of cold feeling and then there's like this breathing moment where you see mia from behind and it's like a sepia tone and this beautiful house like whoever does interior designs for resident evil 8 like i love what they're doing they're communicating so many different things and feelings without showing a lot of different things but there's a moment where she's recalling a fable or a story and there's something about the voice actress's tone and delivery that and then the fact there's no music and it's just quiet uh reminds me a lot of of silent hill um you know it reminds me a lot of uh you know, Mary, when she's speaking to, to James, uh, yeah. and, and there's a particular tonality there that it settles you in, but you're unsettled. Uh, and that is like a specific feeling. And, you know, for someone like me where, you know, that's a very personal game to me. <laughs> um, and it's a great game. So like, there's things that they're pulling from where it's like, Ooh, like you, and it's, it's, it's very strategic. And, um, if this is what they're showing now, it makes me think that there's more um, in store for the actual finished game. Uh, but I just remember that th there's a particular feeling where I'm like, wait a minute, this feels uh, very similar to, uh, you know, times where Mary's speaking to James. And even the camera 
slightly is a bit of a similar angle, a, a bit further back. But um, you don't actually it does see her remind face, me, right? Yeah, you don't get to see her face. In the whole trailer. You hear her no. voice. Um, you know, she's, yeah. she's telling this, uh, uh, the, this parable. And then when you do finally see yeah. her, she's got her back turned. It's that shot of the, um, the kitchen. And it, it, like you said, it's a very convincing looking um, kitchen. Yeah. It's very lived in. Uh, you know, there's two empty wine glasses out waiting to be filled. And uh, I, I just noticed there's, there's a basket um on on the shelf like above her head like there's a lot of like really evocative imagery like it, it could be you know setting up some themes right there, there's sort yeah of like a kind of red riding yeah. feel to you know and then there, there's the basket there she's going to be sort of like you know how is she going to fit into this story like is she going to be right the red riding hood or is the main character well, red riding hood looking for you know grandma is she grandma <laughs> Right. It's and it's interesting because I mean they, they they show the visual representation of her, you know, running away from the voice of of the grandma, you know, it's fading away, like you know, there's the idea of collection the collection of the berries and it's like you have a basket that's an object that is used for collecting things and like there's there's a lot of uh strong like narrative communication going on, even in a trailer that it's a decent length trailer. It's not an extended trailer, but there there are things that are being uh, placed uh, in a thoughtful way that is uh, intriguing. And I and I feel that for someone who is more of a fan of like you know Resident Evil one through four, um, and not I mean I like this, seven just wasn't my bag, right? Like, but this it it feels like it has elements here that would. Uh, make me want to experience this game. Um, even the ending portion of the trailer is a, a bit of a. It feels almost like a Hideki Kamiya type character, like telling you, like, "Hey, if you're just watching, that's fine, you know, but you don't want to go in there, you know." Like, like there's a, a feeling that's like that that old guy with the cigar could be in Bayonetta, you know, like yeah. he could be. Like, there's a certain tone with a lot of this that uh, just it's making. It's causing me to change my uh, my stance on this game, and it's making me a lot more curious about it. So, um, but again, that comes from a particular uh, sensibility that has been established over years with many directors, um, and yeah, and some of them obviously have like a, a synergy creatively that has kind of created this passage, this lineage of like you know the sort of Ed Wood style or feel of like Resident Evil One in comparison to you know, a feeling in RE2 where you could almost argue that, like, this is, like, a Japanese uh, director's interpretation or feeling of, like, I liked Predator 2's feel and concept a lot, but I want to, like, turn it into, like, a horror, you know, a survival horror game Mm. uh, to, like, you know, stuff in 3 that kind of plays off of that a little bit, but obviously, you know, time-wise, chronologically, it tells a different aspect of that story. Um, You know, and if you look at four four is like a it's like a casserole of that you know with a bit more of like i don't want to say it's kamiya spice but there are things in it that i feel like kamiya would have done we didn't get the chainsaw but you know like the other aspects of the game are uh uh, so there's a specific type of dynamism uh within the survival horror that's in re4 you feel like you're watching a movie at three o'clock in the morning that came out like you know seven years ago that was Uh on like 
you know, premium cable and you're watching it like on TV late at night. Like that's what RE4 feels like. And there's a particular uh, evolutionary passage that the other games created for 4 to shine the way that it does. Because like, you know, if you play 4, is it a scary game? It's arguable, right? Like there's scary moments, but it's not necessarily a scary game per se to a lot of people, but it's still very fun. And people enjoy... Would you say that Resident Evil in its its past lineages ever really relied on being scary like because i i feel like that's a change that's happening in the kind of the the meta narrative that they're they're creating which is like um i, I don't think it was ever like you know there's a difference between uh like a jump scare like i think the the first like liquor jump scare that i experienced in resident evil 2 is still vividly burned into my mind i can tell yeah. you everything about it but that's yeah. not the same thing as the kind of horror I think that seven and eight are going for. Um, and then no, you, it's you not. The, you know the the middle of the series. Yeah, I don't know why their how their philosophy of what what makes something scarier or horrifying has changed over time. It's definitely well, evolved. I think that the first yeah. game is very much a horror game though, with the 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 tank controls, the 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 weird angles. Yes, it was like an evolution of like a Alone in the Dark. And uh, oh, yeah. very much like, um, just like slow. I mean, that that was the most terrifying game ever made at at that point in time. You know, um, uh, talking yeah. about jump scares, you, the, the dogs through the window. That was a classic moment. I, I've seen people literally throw the controller in fear, like across the room, <laughs> because of that moment. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Like, you know, I think I think one of the things to point out that's interesting, especially with uh, RE1, is that it almost was kind of like turning the page of a book because you were on a screen that was like a background that was a bitmap and you had like an active 3D model that you were navigating on a particular like path through, uh, you know, that area. And once you got past that area, another screen loaded so like you can't really see what's ahead of you you only see it in that moment when it's in front of you you know so even something as simple as a zombie hugging the 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 op the opposing corner of where you're standing that's scary because he, he it wasn't there yeah and now it is so there's this feeling of you don't really have a sense of control and i think that there's a synergy with that where you know the tank controls and the fact that you're turning these pages that you don't know what's on these pages yet yeah it gives you a, a, a sense of you're in something that you are controlling but you do not have control yeah, and um, um it, yeah, yeah, like, the I... phrase survival horror was was coined to describe all that because it um everything was really limited you had really limited resources yeah so so even though you're a cop with a gun like um you felt very powerless for for most of that game so I know we're talking about Resident Evil, but Richmond, this actually reminds me of a conversation that we had a long time ago about why some of the newer Silent Hill games weren't as scary. Oh, yeah. And I remember we were, we, I, I remember the exact context, but we were definitely talking about uh, one of the games that later in the series, I think they set you as like a guy from the military and, and whatever, and they gave you far more guns. Yeah. I remember we were talking about how like it really lost um, a lot of the, the elements that that added to survival horror that made you feel vulnerable because you were a guy from the military with a bunch of guns versus the characters in the previous games. Even though you were given weapons, um, they were limited, they would break, you couldn't see things coming at you. Like you really didn't feel like a person that could deal with a threat. 
Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I remember I, that one. They 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 were doing interviews with magazines talking about like QTEs and like how you could take down these monsters. And I'm like, dude, that's not that's not very <laughs> not very Silent Hill of you, okay? <laughs> yeah. And, 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 and even even though uh, I really like the kind of middle era of Resident Evil games, I think the era we're talking about with the kind of pre-rendered backgrounds, part of it was also not just the like the tank controls, but also they didn't really have that over the shoulder aspect so you really couldn't aim like i mean obviously you could mm. aim you were you, you kind of had this lack of control that always felt a little because because like sometimes you couldn't see where the enemy was coming from and then mm -hmm. uh, i also remember something that that they did that i thought was super effective in, in the earlier games was that you had a button where you had to basically raise your weapon before you could fire it wasn't just automatically part of shooting um, so there was this element of you had to know what direction they were coming from. You didn't have a, a, a kind of a first person or a third person field of view. So you couldn't like aim at their head or aim at their leg really effectively. And then even if, uh, and this may have been a limitation of the system at the time, but I always thought that the, the tension, the fact that like you had to prepare to fire your weapon, you had very, you actually had very, very limited ammunition. That's part of what made it scary as well. Um, and especially when you're fighting against something like a you know like a liquor or you know a, a much more mobile enemy uh whereas like they kind of build you up to it right like because they spend a lot of the time leading up to, to enemies like liquors um giving you zombies that are scary but like you're still pretty well equipped to deal with them or run past them but then they introduce an enemy type that is much more agile and mobile than you and as hard as hard as it is for you to turn prepare your weapon and fire it can already move across the room <laughs> yeah so the second one had the, the the liquors the first one had the um the gorilla looking things the gorilla lizard things yes. oh yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. so that, I, I would say um if if we're talking about okay what is what defines resident evil right like what makes it kind of special from other you know horror games I, I would say the monsters is crucial that's it's absolutely like it has to have cool monsters in addition to zombies right from the very yeah. first one it was never only about like slow zombies there was you know the uh, <laughs> the, the 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 crazy gorilla the lizard gorilla things and the um you know the the last boss the um the uh shoot uh, not nemesis what was the the first one last boss of the first are you, are you talking about right. um, resident evil uh, mr x is from uh, mr x is from yeah so you're talking about tyrant tyrant yes. yeah 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 Tyrant, yeah, yeah, Tyrant. Tyrant. I believe. Yeah. Yeah, like what's interesting about the Tyrant was that, you know, it, again, it's these manifestations of like concepts that you don't even know you have in your head that you would be terrified of. It's like, you know, someone who just abruptly shows up and they're this towering, menacing being uh, that just instantly can kill you, like these are things especially when you think about the pace of the game too because a lot of the times you are dealing with like you know zombies and then there's some things where obviously the pace is a little bit you know heightened or the fear i guess is, is heightened because you're fighting something that's a bit more formidable than you know zombie but when you're looking at the final boss it's like a culmination of like just everything you fear it's like if you're having a dream and the dream is asking you hey what's the one thing you don't want to happen it's like this is what i don't want to happen you know like I don't want that at all in terms of any sort of like concepts. Um, and I wanted to just piggyback on one thing about the the, the the tank controls that 
for me, I it was a personal thing that I actually liked this decision. Um, you know, because I know a lot of people are like, oh, those controls are just bad. You're just saying that to sound cool. And it's like, no, I really feel like that, that was a deliberate choice because uh, it reminds me of moments that I have in dreams where I felt powerless. Uh, you know, if you've ever, because if you've seen the memes that people make where they're like, oh man, you know, you know, you know when you're in a dream and you want to fight and you can't fight. It's like, you know, you feel like you can't punch hard enough. You feel like you can't. I feel like in a weird way, like playing that game, it was like, naturally, you know where you want to go to avoid something that is like dangerous. But when you're dealing with the tank controls, it's almost like a, set, a second thought process that you have to go through, um, which is a bit jarring and confusing sometimes. And sometimes you're like, I just want to get away, but you can't. Um, and I feel like sometimes it's uh, the parallel for me is like, you know, if I'm in a dream and I need to fight something, I never feel like I punch hard enough. I never feel like I kick hard enough. I never feel like I move fast enough. Everything is always just kind of like, oh my God, please, like, just, let, just get me out of here. And that was like a, a tactile feeling for me constantly, like playing it. And it served up as a catalyst to keep the fear uh, kind of going within the whole survival so, horror experience. I, so I want to I go off on a very, like a very mini tangent to, I think, uh, something that I think we can connect to the Ape game and kind of talk about. So a lot of things we're talking about in the survival horror thing. Um, I don't know like as much about it, but um, I did remember this. Like uh, Mikami talked a lot about that, the Resident Evil was really based a lot off of um, an earlier Capcom game, uh, Sweet Home, and mm -hmm. and th that idea that, but the ideas that he took from it was this. If you think about where the series went, it really started off with this idea of crafting a horror game that's kind of in an intricate mansion. If we go back to the first one, right? And that's what Sweet Home was yeah. about. And uh, obviously, it had puzzles and enemies, and it limited like it had limited resources and health weapons. Like I, I believe that game though had a permadeath system, <laughs> so that really ramped up the fear. Um, wow. But but like to me, this like I don't know if it's the word. Just folksy. a quick, quick note: uh, Sweet Home was a Famicom game, so the, Capcom made a, a, a horror game all the way back in the eight-bit era, and it, it's actually a beautiful game. If you look it up, it has very nice sprite art, and um, I, I I believe it. Uh, had a live action movie too. Um, oh, yeah, really? Because, like, so, so was that like, so Resident Evil was like 96. Was that like 92 or something for Famicom? Uh, let me look that up. Sweet Home came out in 1989. Wow, 1989. really? <laughs> wow. Yeah. I, I didn't realize it was that old. But uh, I, I, I do, I, I just, I, the, the thing I, I really wanted to kind of put, and I also wanted to see James take on this, especially with, as we're leaping to the new one is that I, I wonder if this did lead into some choices where again like it started in this place where I, I i can imagine that mikami really loved this idea of like oh you're trapped in this like goofy old mansion and there's like monsters and uh puzzles and like like ghosts and you have to stay alive and it's you know it's very difficult i think the original game had more much more of a, like a metroidvania system than resident evil did but you can see the influence and then i think if you start looking and it starts becoming more of an action you know like an action game right as it gets toward the middle of the series and i almost feel like there's some attempt to go back to that idea but i don't know if i'm right um, yeah. um i i do think that if you you look at the way that you navigated through seven uh there was action in the game but in comparison to older uh, games, it obviously felt a bit mild, right? Like, it's a bit... 
you know, it's like, well, you have to do something outside of the puzzles. You have to encounter something. And some of those things were pretty intense, you know, like when you're dealing with like, you know, the boss fight in the garage with the car, right? Like that's pretty intense. Like that's, that's a pretty terrifying situation. Um, You know, you're dealing with, uh, you know, Mia kind of losing her mind and like there's a brutality that's there, but in terms of dynamic action or dynamism, uh, collectively it's still pretty limited. And I think that eight is implying that there may be a bit more of that. Uh, you know, you're seeing creatures that are a lot more agile. You're seeing um, creatures that you know that you probably can't just, or you feel that you probably can't just run away and shoot them. Like there has to be something else that is accompanying your arsenal that you would have to, uh, you know, use to to deal with them. So I mean, I think there may be a hint of uh, a bit more of an intensity with what will happen within the story of RE8 and what they want you to do. So I, know, I, don't, I don't think you're off on that at all. Definitely feels more visceral than than 7, for sure. Yeah, I um, I, I, I just want to uh, talk about Sweet Home a little bit. I, I was reading a, a little bit more on it. Um, the game, so it was a, pretty much an RPG for the Famicom 8-bit era. Um, definitely the direct inspiration for Resident Evil 1. And uh, th- this was a very ambitious game. Um, so there was a film of the same name. Uh, it, it, it was a tie-in to a film, actually, but the director of the film supervised the game. So he actually worked on the game, too, which is uh, pretty rare back oh, then. Oh, wow. So this is like you know 8-bit era but you're already at Capcom they're they they have an actual film director working on a video game giving it a very like cinematic uh, feeling to it and um, there, there's lots of similarities between this and the first Resident Evil like uh, you know like Sean mentioned it's it's all about exploring this this uh, de- decrepit creepy mansion um, it's about a group of people that get split up you know, and then um, the gameplay sounds fascinating. You actually, your party gets split up, and um, if someone dies, you, you might find that character later, and they might have, like, you know, uh, done something helpful before they died. And there's, like, several, you know, they might have uh, give you clues. You, you can find, like, clues next to their corpses that'll help you. And uh, oh, that's cool. like five different endings, depending on uh, how many people survive. And... Uh, um, also, um, so that's where I like. I, I think that it, it obviously started going, but like I think a lot of the RE games and like I, I don't not as knowledgeable about the the newer ones, but I know at least two to two and four and five. Like there definitely was this divergent path gameplay where you, they're they're usually pairing you with a partner that way or you know another character. So you're you're always kind of experiencing the storyline from like multiple angles. Uh, so I could I, I could to- totally see how that that might have influenced. Pretty, pretty deeply into the franchise. Yeah, yeah. It's a really fun idea. And then I guess that makes me think, like, uh, with Resident Evil Village, um, I mean, it seems like then that th- this is this game is kind of uh, them saying they're 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 doing a throwback to to the very first one, right? Because I mean, it's yeah. taking things back to this creepy mansion in the woods, right? Um, 
So even though I think we, were, uh, I think all of us were kind of worried initially that it, it had the first person view. Um, I think, we, I, I think, uh, like for for me personally, probably all three of us, uh, you know, Resident Evil Seven felt like uh, it lost a lot of the charm of the series, and I, I, I had you know reservations about eight purely pretty much because of the, the first person camera. I was like, oh, okay, are they going to keep going in this direction? Are they going to keep yeah. like, emphasizing I, the I, realism? And um, but it, I, it, I feel yeah. like the the drive really of the industry in general, and I uh, I think this goes back to what we were just talking about about like what makes a game scary, like what what contributes to you feeling that way. And I wonder, and I don't think it's necessarily good or bad, but I definitely think a lot of games recently. Um, not like to go into any specific ones really, but that they felt that first person was kind of a shortcut to get you more immersed because like it's, you know, uh, I actually dove a lot into the psychology of this when I was uh, furiously writing uh, articles about Last of Us Part Two in terms of talking about the, um, basically getting the, the ability for the player to uh, project themselves into uh, mm. the kind of the message of the character rather than feeling like they're giving a character suggestions on screen. Mm. And uh, there's a lot of uh, like, obviously like Last of Us is not a, a first person game, but they achieve it very well in both of their games. But but it, it kind of goes back to that idea that I think a lot of game developers are, I don't want to say struggling, but they're definitely working through what are the ways that we make you feel that you are this character rather than feel like you are controlling them and even though like i said I, there are plenty of third person games that make me feel like i am the character i could see how uh a director might uh, you know a game director might say oh well it's going to be much easier for us to have the player cast themselves into this character's role if they're first person because it's very hard for you um and the way this is usually used in narrative just to mention is it's usually not used to make you feel just like one person uh it's used in such a way where you spend a certain portion of the game where you get to the portion where you believe that the actions you're taking are an extension of your own choices, which is why so many, I think, game reviewers rag on like the amount of agency and do your decisions matter in the game. And then usually a lot of games use it to play against you where they'll switch a character or they'll, they'll show you a new perspective and it challenges you because you have to try to disassociate um, yourself with the character you were playing. But I wonder if that's a technique that they're trying to use first person here for. I suspect that's why Cyberpunk uses first person is mm -hmm. um, because they have less distinctness on the, like, again, they're, they, it's the same thing. They're kind of casting you into this vessel of a character and they, they don't want you to think uh, about, I, I like, think... You're, not, you're not Leon or Chris Redfield. You're, you're cast more into this, even though I think it, it might start Chris Redfield, but you know, you get, I think what I'm saying, right? Like, there's a, a push and pull between how you achieve all those effects. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's a delicate dance that has to be, like, kind of done because I mean, on on paper, yeah. I mean, it's it's, a, it's almost like a cheat sheet way of like, oh, okay, well, you know, you're gonna feel more, you know, connected because the camera is implying that your vision is what your vision would be as you, the player. Um, and I, I, I do think that that, that works um, in, in a lot of games. Uh, I, I do think that um, given how much treatment this game is getting, uh, I do think that you know there may be a possibility that this game will 
you know, really embody that and nail it. But I do think that like there's a particular charm in seeing uh, the back of your character and controlling and moving them. And I mean, this again, it's like going back to what Richmond says. There's a bit of a preference uh, for what I like to experience, but I think that uh, it does affect how that experience is. You know, and I think that you know when you're dealing with something that's like uh, horror or fear. Uh, you know, you want to be able, as a, I guess, as a director, to uh, really like force this person into that seat, right? Because there's a particular narrative you're you're expressing and you know, the feeling that you want, and having it as first person, it, it it definitely is a it's like an easy pass in a way for it, not in a disrespectful way. It's just like it's oh well, you're here, you know. Yeah, it's very like it, it makes a lot of sense. You know, like like that's wanted, the. Wanted wanted to add a quick like it's not really a story it's more of a, a quick anecdote just about my own personal journey in making video games but I forgot exactly what it was called I was trying to look up the book but when I was first getting into like oh and this is like prior to doing it professionally I was really like really excited about like oh I want to make video games this is what I do want to do with my career uh, my life and I went to like Barnes and Noble my mother bought me this book and it was it was called something like make your own video game it was one of those ones if you remember back in the day where it came with a CD and it basically like <laughs> walked you through doing stuff and I remember you, you basically just create like a baseline 3d engine with this tool set but I remember going through all the things and the first time that I had gotten like a really shitty 3d character into the 3d world that I could walk around in third person and just move around I was like yeah, I'm making video games. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I remember, like, to your point, that that connection you kind of make to third person over the shoulder. Because uh, I remember when you first do it, when you when you first create in, in this 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 thing I was working on, you you actually do first person first because the first thing you learn is to create the world and then to create a camera and then to create a camera that you can move around. Um, right. And then and uh, that's much easier, like, because you know the, the first person idea. Uh, because all you're really doing is having to control one perspective. And then they teach you how to anchor the camera on a shape. And then they teach you how to build the shape and animate it that anchor the character, anchor the camera to the back right or back left of that shape. So to me, there's actually a little bit of extra kind of excitement and complexity that I attach to making games and playing them around the third person where it is hard. It is actually to some degree, at least back in the day, a little bit more complex in terms of the way that you program it and the way that it works. But I don't know, to me, I always associated with like, when I did the camera and I was walking around in the game world, I wasn't like, yeah, I made a video game. I just kind of thought, oh, okay, this is like the hello world. I'm, I'm on my way. But yeah, as soon as that character's walking around and you can see it, it happening, I've always kind of associated that with, with you know, video games, <laughs> you know, in terms of 3D, so. Yeah, and I think it also may have something to do with, you know, where, and I, I don't know if I'm wrong about this, maybe, but like a lot of the games that we played, right? Just because of when we grew up and what was available, I mean, there there were first-person games, but there weren't very many of them. Uh, there was a lot of an association with seeing a character and saying, "I am playing as." Like that was kind of uh a thing i mean you know just thinking back to games that came out i mean total recall like you saw the character you know that arnold schwarzenegger portrayed right or a representation of that character uh you play mike tyson's punch out you know the stories about little mac you see little mac on the screen um 
you know, it was always something that we as players subconsciously correlated to the experience of I'm stepping into the shoes of this character, but I'm still seeing it. It's almost like when you watch a movie, right? Like, you know, you're experiencing the emotions and feelings for these characters, but you're seeing them from planned cinematic shots that are supposed to uh, advocate a particular type of feeling. Um, and I think that that type of entertainment is something that we're all used to, at least from the era that, you know, that I came up in. So when you take that away, uh, there's a certain expectation that's kind of like lost for me where I love seeing my character. I love seeing how cool or not cool they are. I like being able to have that reminder of the personality that this, this character is, and it allows me to step into that via my controller. So it's like when I'm looking at how cool Leon is walking with his J. Crook uh, jacket on, I feel that cool, you know? Mm-hmm. Or if, you know, I'm looking at Bayonetta, like, be a 13-foot-tall woman, and she's, like, fighting with her hair, <laughs> like... Me as a black man, I can't relate to that on a regular basis, but this game gives me the ability to become the sexy woman that I've always wanted to be, right? <laughs> so like, the idea is that like, when that dynamism is removed, right, it creates a different type of experience where it's almost like, and I'm not going to talk about Tenet or anything, but I'm just going to talk about the, the fact that the name of the character is protagonist, right? Like, it's almost like it's a stamp. Like, you are player. You are experiencing these levels these things yes there's a story connected to it but because the angle is my own it's almost like i'm i feel like i'm being forced into shoes in a way that's a little too literal for me that takes away from whatever story you're trying to tell me because it feels more like i'm playing this game not me playing it through the character and that's not a bad thing i don't want it to come off as a bad thing it's just it's a it's a different experience it's a different feeling that's, that's you know what I weirdly associate with uh, first person is uh, oh sorry Richmond you were gonna say okay oh, good but I was gonna say I weirdly associate games like adventure games more with first person and even though it's not a classic adventure game I was thinking like what's the quintessential like first person experience from my like childhood of games and weirdly it's Mist did you guys ever play that game really wow yeah that's I remember Mist I never played it but frustrating yeah. rage inducing <laughs> game. <laughs> yeah, it, I actually here's the thing. So, so Myst is a what's the word? Yeah, it's an uh, indecisive game. It's yeah, uh, it's really a. Just, just for <laughs> the listeners, um, a lot of them were born long after Myst was made. Myst was a, a early okay. uh, CD-ROM adventure game for the the PC. Uh, so it, it's you know you just use your mouse, you click around the screen, and you you look for clues to solve very very obtuse puzzles that. <laughs> makes no sense but um you click around these like pre-rendered environments and um it, it's it's first person yeah i mean at the, so at the time it's it's fully rendered 3d uh in looking back at it it's actually quite dated but when, when i played it i thought it was the most realistic looking thing i'd ever seen yeah. uh i don't even remember the story but i remember i liked it so much i even read i don't know if you know there are missed books i didn't uh, know because we're not uh, <laughs> yeah there's there's a uh, mist, and I also was really into Riven, which is basically the the sequel. Um, and I remember nothing about it other than like there, but there, but um, kind of in the vein of what we're talking about. So the point that I think maybe they they were aiming at is there was something very um, immersing about the first person nature of that game. But I think the difference is is that 
more or less it like uh, it's an adventure game so you really don't have the ability to move or attack it's entirely like the way that you move around is very limited uh and you feel like it's you moving around because you do it so thoughtfully and I'll, honestly like as richmond said spend a lot of time being like what the hell is this puzzle <laughs> because they like it's actually one thing i like about it also is that it's one of those games where you know games nowadays kind of handhold you through a lot of stuff and like puzzles are fun but they're not complicated that's not mist mist doesn't tell you shit nothing looks interactive um the puzzles make basically no sense and they use a lot of contrivances to kind of make up stuff so like you're on an island but also it has like a train and a volcano and uh it has a planetarium for some reason and like i just realized you here for a contemporary audience mist is the ultimate escape room that, that that's what mist is yes yes that's exactly <laughs> yeah, that. and, <laughs> and you're like how the heck do i get out of here and no clue like, what do i even go. do <laughs> and, and even the, even the story of it like you know most escape rooms have kind of a setup story mm-hmm. even mist barely explains why you're trapped on this island yeah but um no, I, I think you guys bring up a, a, a good point. I think um, first-person games are really good for making it feel like you, you know, you, the human being <laughs> that you are, are in this world. And third-person games are really good about making you feel like you're in the shoes of this, um, you know, really uh, cool character. Or not, not cool, but just engaging, right? You're, you're someone else. You're, you inhabit this character. And um, I, I, I think that's... Uh, bringing it back to Resident Evil, that's actually how they've used first-person versus third-person in the games, right? Because there have been several uh, first-person Resident Evils. Um, even before 7, there was the Gun Survivor. And, yeah. Um, yeah. Gun Survivor, you know, uh, not you're, you're not one of the main characters. You're not Chris or Claire or Leon. You're an amnesiac, right? Just like Myst. Yes. Right? You, yes. This character is a blank slate. It's you. And you, you have to um, make your way... It, it was a light gun game for PS1, so, it, you know, first-person uh, light gun shooter. Um, and then Resident Evil uh, 7, you're... Um, I don't even remember the guy's name. What was the, what was the main character's name? Is uh, uh, For Gun Survivor? Oh, shit. No, no, I'm yeah, sorry. Uh, 7. 7. Resident Evil 7. Oh. Ethan. Ethan, yeah. New character, right? Again, you're not, you're not Chris. You're not Leon. It's like a new dude and... Um, he's not that important right it's more about like okay you're in the scary house and it's vr and it's we're gonna make it feel like you are really there oh I, so uh you know as opposed to um i and i think that's why it didn't feel like resident evil to us right because uh yeah if we're talking about what makes it resident evil versus just a general survival horror game it's characters they're very character story driven games um, mm-hmm. As much as people yeah. like to joke, like, oh, you know, story's not that important. Like, it, it's actually very important to the Resident Evil series. Um, wait, wait, there are people that say story's not that important to Resident Evil? Oh, I'm sure there, yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, people are like, oh, you know, it's just nonsense. It's just, it's just about shooting zombies. And it's like, no, like, um, story's really crucial to these games. Like, if, if people... That, that, that's... Yeah, go ahead. I, I, I get it, but also like when you when you live in a world of like games like um, I, I don't know um, like you know uh, Left for Dead or um, you know what's the the open world one like I think it's a 
DayZ or something. Not that those are bad games, but those games, they have a, a very minimal story, and they are, in fact, about killing zombies. But if you compare it to Resident Evil, where the amount of time they spend on the backstory and connecting them and the character interactions, and yeah, that's, to me, that's a hard... That's, that's a hard um, opinion pill to swallow for me. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, but it's it's also I think uh, what people. I mean, I think gamers in general. Uh, there's a lot of different ways that people sort of perceive like uh, particular types of content and what the the content represents. And I think that uh, at Sorry. least for me, that's that's something that I try to remember sometimes. Where it's like, but don't you see like what? And it's like sometimes people i mean as hard as it might be to believe even first time experiences for people playing a game they will skip cutscenes. Uh, they will because yeah. they're they're looking at the idea of this i can kill zombies in this game when do i get to that part when do i do <laughs> yeah. the thing that i bought this game for and you know it's it's their prerogative as a as a gamer to to choose how that experience is so it may be a point where people look at that stuff as like eh, I, I, don't, I don't have to pay attention to that you know I just need to do you know XYZ like that yeah, is I, that is a thing yeah I, I would argue that um, even if they don't care they don't realize the story is still important to them it's what brings you back to the series it's what makes it a Resident right. Evil game as opposed to like just another game where you shoot zombies right like, well and when we're right. talking about Resident Evil 5, also the ability to have a bicep that is the size of someone's head, I think. <laughs> it's like, I, I kind of want to know why, you know, like, why do I, why can I have that? Like, why, well, you know, know, why do I have a, I, a perfect five o'clock shadow all the time? I, I, and I have, I, like, you know. I can tell you why. Um, I talked to Andy about this, Professor Andy. He, he hasn't been on the show for a while. But <laughs> long ago, he, he theorized that Chris basically in reaction to fighting like these, you know, bio horror monsters, uh, he, he he started juicing. <laughs> he, he needed to enhance himself. <laughs> You're right. He needed he to he had enhance no himself to fight back. He had to. This, this is like it's to. a side similar to like uh, the 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 kind of Im implication of Abby and Last of Us Part Two that like why is she so buff? It's like well she's. She's got. She's preparing for this thing. She's like, this is her whole life is fighting for this yeah. thing. Like, you're right. So I can see Chris. Because yeah. Chris, it happens yeah. over time too. He gets more and more buff. Until you can even see it in his face and the character design. Like his earlier designs, he's a pretty trim guy. And even though he, yeah, you know, he obviously, as he goes through the games, he gets more and more buff. And you can even see his jawline getting like, you know, like more storied. Like, you know, man, he's got a rough hard thick jawline like you've seen some things and stuff man like <laughs> yeah like that's true it's 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 true i, I mean, think doesn't he, doesn't he lose most every fire team that he leads uh yeah 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 i think that was way on that was way part, on a person part, that was part just six is about bicep. him and his uh you know his ptsd right yeah, I mean, got, he's definitely. He's... You, you may not be entirely wrong. He's in. Yeah, he's a bit a major proponent of the story in eight, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I think yeah. uh, by part eight, it, it, they're setting him up to as if he's the bad guy now. Really? Yeah. Yep. That's, yeah. That's, now that's, 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 that is an intriguing idea to me. Setting up the... like a series of protagonists um, as a as a as a villain. Yes. Yeah. I mean, 
unlike Chris, though. I I feel like uh, yeah, because I think it might be a misdirect, honestly. It must be, but I I hope it's done in an interesting way because he like Chris really is the heart of the series for me. Like he he's such a good dude, right? Yeah, he's the Ryu of Resident Evil. Even even (laughs) in part five, right? Like uh, when he's like checking the bodies, like, "Hey man, are you okay?" And I was like, "Oh, it's a zombie." And then he just squashes its head (laughs) with his giant muscles. Uh, Well, I I was even with the the giant muscle thing. Like, do do you think there is an element of like? I mean, at this point in the story, he's been he's been dealing with the the fallout of Umbrella Corporation for what like a decade. I don't know what the actual timeline, but it uh, must be at least yeah, years, roughly right? like a decade or so. Like, uh, I mean, been... like, is that a thing where it weighs on you, or do you just get used to it? Does it just become part? Like, I don't know. I feel like you can go both ways, but pretty impressive to maintain your like carrying you know carrying demeanor throughout the entire thing. I could see well, uh, someone yeah. you know, fall. Definitely yeah. weighs on. Actually, I, I it does. I, I want to talk about another important figure in uh, the development of Resident Evil that I think um, is one of the differentiating factors that 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 gives it that special Resident Evil flavor that distinguishes it from other horror series. Uh, so one of the main writers on it since Part Two is uh, Noboru Sugimura, and um, this guy is a very very uh, very um experienced uh writer very very this this dude um was a tv writer actually and he uh he established himself in the 70s uh co-writing a show called uh, Tayo no Hoero um which i think james you might be familiar with this it, it translates to a roar at the sun it, it was a hit detective show it was this was primetime tv in japan so this wasn't like i think i have heard of this actually yeah this wasn't like uh some niche thing or like uh something for kids or like a otaku thing this was just mainstream primetime television it was like the most popular you know detective drama uh for God, it had over 700 episodes. It, it went all the way to the late 80s. Um, so this dude was like a very, you know, storied uh, TV writer already. And then, dude, get this. He's actually one of the um, most beloved uh, uh, tokusatsu writers. So amongst other oh. things, this dude Oof. wrote for uh, Common Rider Black, which is like probably if you ask a lot of fans like uh, – at least our our age, <laughs> millennial age. Yeah. That's gonna be their favorite. He also did uh, Z- um, Zoo Ranger, like the the series that Power Rangers. Was yeah, based the Power on. Rangers. Yeah. yeah. And that that was the one I I grew up on when I was like a really little kid in Thailand, and it, that was that show had excellent writing. I I actually hated the Power Rangers when it came out in America, because I was like, what 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 did they do? <laughs> like they're butchering yeah. that classic. <laughs> so so this guy's like. Um, you know, he, he's he's uh, this this awesome. Um, I, I think he brought that energy to Resident Evil. Like I, I think, so Resident Evil isn't just a horror series at heart. It's also got like a lot of that um, kind of tokusatsu, like common rider aspect to it, right? Because uh, ultimately, we we talked about this a bit earlier. It's not just about fighting zombies. It's about fighting monsters, and it's about yep. fighting. An, an organization that's so evil that it's creating monsters like on purpose right so so i think that's uh it's 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 got that tokusatsu hero heroism to it 
And and yet throughout the games, they always act like, how did this happen? <laughs> it's very disingenuous from a lot of the yeah. I mean, obviously not like Wester, which is, but... is Which is, in a weird way, there's a certain purity to that that actually is a common theme in, like, Tokusatsu, like, shows. Like, the hero is very hero. Mm. Like, um, the hero is very... I, I know it's, it's definitely intentional of, of them, but um, I'm watching a YouTube series called like uh, Game Sins, and you would think it'd be very negative, but it's mostly just the guy pointing out um, plot holes and stuff. And he has a whole montage of Resident Evil times where someone goes, oh no, how did this happen? He's like, you designed this virus to do this. <laughs> this is all that could have happened. <laughs> It's it's hubris though. It's, it's yeah. They thought yeah. they could control it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, I the thing about it is like these elements are what were the catalyst for the charm of Resident Evil. Like it, yep. it's such an odd like if you look at if they were ingredients on a table when someone was saying I'm going to make a dish with this. Like initially you would say none of this makes sense. Or at least some of it makes sense, and you might be questionable about certain things. But seeing it all come together in this this legacy uh, that it has, it's created a, a specific experience. And I think that you know over time, it's generated particular fans that are, you know, for lack of a better way to, to describe it, there's divisions of like, you know, there's people that like RE1 only. There are people really? that like one and two four like no I, I've, I've definitely had conversations oh. with certain people where you know they're like i like one like i understand these games are good but i really like one or i really like four or i really like yeah, three yeah. um you know oh. it's something that, that it's something that happens and uh the thing about it is that you know obviously it shows a particular type of evolution between directors and how they're all kind of making their their contributions and i feel like what's happening with eight is like they're obviously making their own dish right like mm. but at the same time like development wise there's somebody like hey you know that seasoning that they used for four or 3.5 or whatever that's kind of good man like, you might want to and they're like oh, okay you know what you're absolutely right it's not like a oh we'll throw this in there to phone it in like it feels frighteningly genuine I, I hate to say that word but like it, like it feels like oh, you guys oh wait like I might buy this game <laughs> like, yeah it's yeah like, I, like yeah, it's, it's I definitely got like, that feeling from the last uh, teaser yeah like, oh, I, gotta, I got to also say so I, I'm sorry I, I'm not as I guess I haven't consumed all the media about 8 but I just like looked up some of the promotional posters so like when you talked about maybe Chris being the antagonist is a misdirect he is like Visibly on most of the on most of the promotional art, in a very antagonistic way, I have to say. Yeah. No, I mean, they, no, he's he's embodying it. I think it's I think it's it's, it's the peacoat though. It's, it's, it's <laughs> yeah. just, like the peacoat like works that, for me though. I gotta tell you that his, like, his design looks like an aged guy that's seen some things and some stuff, and he's just somewhat over it. But he's also used to it. I don't know. I feel like they nailed that. To be honest with you, I really like. Yeah, he's design. he's definitely like been through it. But he had a moment where he said, "I'm going to spend a couple thousand dollars on this coat, though." <laughs> I'm going. Well, to we do find... talk about how you know game like, characters are very fashionable. Like like Albert's Albert's influence on him has is yeah. running thick, man. So like he was like, "Nah, I'm gonna go." 
I'm gonna look at Balenciaga. I'm gonna see what they got. I'm gonna see what Givenchy got or Givenchy. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm gonna see what's going on with them because oh, it also that's a, with that pea coat. Is he wearing a turtleneck under that? Looks yes, nice. it is. It is. It is. He's. It's some. He's got like this like Euro fashion vibe yeah. slash like J Crew because he because Chris is basic. Like Chris is not like <laughs> you know like this super like he's basic man, but. He did see a coat that was pretty fire, and he was like, "You know what? I'm gonna get this." Cause the 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 contour of his design and like the way that that looks, it it does create an imposing silhouette. Um, and I think that that's probably uh, a bit of a nostalgia vibe of the the feeling of Wesker when he went oh, into yeah. you know his whole like uh, you know uh, <laughs> interior designer from hell uh, aesthetic. You know he. he there's like a, a certain parallel there that's like I'm scared of you the way that I'm scared of Wesker um, but it's not Wesker so there's like a particular because even like uh, he takes up more space than Wesker um, so there's like a different type of opposing force where you know with Wesker it's like I'm cunning and you know with Chris it's like man I will break you yeah I, I gotta tell you, I in going back through a lot of his designs, I I do feel like he does get demonstrably more fashionable. If you like, kind of go through like he, his original design, he had like a green vest on, like a bright green vest with like you know a white shirt underneath it, and then it kind of evolves into more of like a military vest, and then uh, it starts evolving a bit more into like a jacket, like but it's still a lot more military. Then by like five, he's got kind of like what I would imagine a gym a gym dude bro like kind of sports jersey looking shirt would wear. Yeah, um, he's he's under armor. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, under armor. Yeah, exactly like a, you know, a, high, a high brand for sure. And then it kind of goes back yeah. to the, the vest, like a little military like. But then he starts like getting more more black stuff and then now he's just like I've gone full Wesker. I'm now yeah uh you know. So I don't know it's if if you think about it, it's weird how the evolution works, but seriously if you want to see a a thing look at his like original design versus his re8 design and it's he's he's been through some stuff man <laughs> like yeah. you know what's funny is that... um jin takeguchi <laughs> talks about that uh in five like 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 you know you don't see much of what happens between four and five with chris it's more implied but there's a presentation that jun takeguchi talks about and i feel like there's a lot of stuff that probably was cut from uh re5 more than what was already cut because he he implies, you know, that he's, he's seen some things and he's had to change his life. And, you know, that's why he has this, like, particular appearance. And, you know, and it's like, I mean, what people, some people may not know is that they actually had to tone down his guns in RE5. Because originally... You're talking about his arms? Or his, yes. His arms or his, uh, okay, yeah, his, arms. Or his actual gun. Those, those are the only <laughs> guns that, that Chris needs in 5, man. Uh, so, but his arms are actually bigger uh really in, yeah what? like there, there, I, th I, I think that there's like pictures of what the model used to look like somewhere where they were saying that like yeah his arms are actually bigger um and i think that they toned them down before the demo came out but i think the demo had a lot of updates for it uh because there were things that people were talking about like before the demo came out publicly there it was like hey uh the zombies used to be faster or like there were other objects that they, oh, I don't say zombies. I think they were called uh, something else. But um, but needless to say, his arms were uh, they had to I, move I mean, his. This is, 
this is somewhat unrelated to the to like Resident Evil as a series, but I have to say, what I remember uh, RE5. Um, me and Jason usually like to play, especially the co-op ones together. And I remember us starting to play RE5. And we were really enjoying it, but we both kind of commented as like, why are Chris and like Sheva pretty attractive people? Like distractingly so. Like not that like game characters unattractive, but for that game specifically, it's almost like distracting. Like they're both in real good shape, and. Uh, they have like distracting elements where you're just like yeah especially but but chris's bicep definitely takes the spotlight but yeah there's definitely something despite it being like a pretty um pretty bleak setting uh and, and even he has he starts the game off with that like safari jacket on if you guys remember the opening he does where he rides no, he has... no chris has fits throughout the game technically like he's got he's got some wardrobe changes not as much as wesker but he's got He's got some wardrobe changes, so... Wait, is this Safari Jacket? He has this really cool-looking, uh, like, shirt that you would wear if you were going to Africa uh, at the beginning, and it just kind of takes it off, and it's just like, oh, right, you have muscles under there. Okay. Even though it looks yeah. pretty good on him. Yeah. Very fashionable. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I guess I guess, I guess, you could say that, you know, within the evolution of all the games, like, you know, the other thing that kind of goes under people's radar is that, you know, Chris becomes a bit more fashionably conscious and a bit more, like, aesthetically conscious, but... Uh, you know, it, it's. I think that it's been an interesting ride through all of the Resident Evil games up to this point. And I mean, I'll I will freely admit that I'm one of those people that only watched Resident Evil Seven. I didn't play it. I played the demo, and that was about the extent of my. Uh, I, I will admit that I also only watched someone play it. Um, I didn't actually play it. You know, but I think that again, it's one of those things where you see it as okay, this is a direction that a company has decided to go. Uh, and there are things in it that are interesting. It's more, I kind of look at it like a, this is what they've done, right? Okay, cool. But eight is kind of like a, I feel like there is like some sort of uh, reaction to say, okay, wait, wait a minute. Like we've created a new audience, but let's also uh, make sure that we're paying not just respect to like source material, but let's let's try to bring in some of these other elements that, maybe these new fans are not necessarily aware of because they maybe haven't played Resident Evil 1 through 4 or 1 through 6. They've started with 7. But if we introduce this within uh, the modicum of what 7 was, um, it may be something that they can digest a bit more. And it's like a, a, a strategic but thoughtful middle ground. Um, because 8... This is just my opinion here. I'm, not, you know, I'm, I'm just me, but I, I feel like 8 is just a lot more fun even though it's yes. still rooted within its uh infrastructure mm -hmm. yeah. i feel like it's just it's fun compared to seven like seven was just like what it was right and then eight is like this is resident evil eight yeah you know what we're trying to do here we don't have to say it we'll show it to you um and do, I mean, do you mean to some degree that maybe like, like they took the themselves not themselves but like maybe the the, the horror like the the deadpan horror a little too seriously it didn't have as much ridiculous stuff in it that like to your point like even the um i'm sure we'll talk about the characters that show up in the teaser trailer but even, oh, yeah. even without knowing anything about them they're kind of intriguing and they're all they already are clearly having some fun with it like you know they uh, already command attention um yeah. and that's yeah, something that yeah. i didn't feel with seven like for example the initial e3 trailer there's a guy that there's a house that you're you're following right from this like drone slow pan through this beautiful like winter like city and 
the door burst open and this disheveled guy jumps out and i i remember this just like the first day i saw it there was just this huge focal point on like his neck and his face i saw everything going on with his throat everything like and i the minute that i could like focus on this guy's face i'm like this guy smells like cigarettes like <laughs> that feeling of just like oh my god like i would not want to be around this kind of person not that i have a problem with people who smoke there's a different it's like when the cigarette smell of a person is like when they, they smoke them so much and it's like in their pores like that's the feeling that you got from this guy in this very dry cold winter air and you know he's creepy so you don't know what you're expecting and he kind of like introduces you to the world of resident evil 8 you don't know it's resident evil 8 but the point is that he commanded attention from his design from his execution to sound design to voice acting from that moment i was already like i was i was pulled in even with something that i wasn't even sure what i was looking at um and i feel like seven for me it didn't do that but eight is like already pulling you into its world yeah, um you know and i'm, I'm not going to talk about who i want to talk about yet because i know there's some stuff we want to get to but there's, oh, yeah yeah. <laughs> I, yeah i just wanted to say um you, you use the word design a lot I, I i think that's that's a huge difference between seven and eight so like the things i didn't like about s seven um it's not just that uh oh you know i i want resident evil to stay the same or whatever it, it's that it forgot what was appealing about Resident Evil. A big part of that is design. Uh, part seven, mm -hmm. the characters weren't, didn't feel designed. They felt like they were cast, like from a movie. And yeah. it's a different feeling. Yeah. Um, but for me, it's not as appealing. It's like, oh, okay, these are real people. Um, it, it doesn't have that sense of like artistic design to it. And I think um, that approach trickled down to the monsters too. Like uh, it still had some pretty crazy monsters, but they, kind of follow that contemporary Hollywood trend where the monsters just feel like really busy and sort of like yeah. just a jumble of like information and not um yeah not iconic at all they're not very clear it's um, it's, it's, it's like the uh yeah yeah it's like the introduction to the final boss was I felt like that was one of the few moments where the FPS camera was beneficial right but then when you realize the fruition of what the monster is uh, outside of it, like, I guess the initial transformation of it, like, like the latter part, you're just like, man, this is kind of like a Bayformer. Like, it's a thing that was criticizing earlier designs of monsters uh, in Resident Evil for being too, um, too obvious. Like, oh, what, what a like weird focal point. Why does it call out its weak spot like that? You know, or why does it whatever? Yeah. Your partner, it actually made them iconic and it made them much easier to pick up and understand that's true. yeah that um, is true uh as you're like to your point i think a lot of the, the hollywood trend you're talking about we were talking about this with the <laughs> transformers as well where they kind of look like moving piles of trash yeah. it's because they don't have a focal point it's very hard to focus on what you're looking at and you can't formulate and organize different pieces of the design into logical parts to formulate what you're seeing so you're just spending so much, a uh, term I use a lot in UX design that's very common among others is like cognitive loads. Like there's so much processing power it takes you while you're trying to like interact and pay attention and do other things. And when there's too much detail and there's not focal points or more simplified shapes that are able to help you organize the information, you're spending all your time being like, what am I looking at? Yeah. yeah. 
you just you just it, it, you just see stuff moving yeah. um and you're like i gotta shoot it because it i have to like it's not <laughs> you don't really get a feeling of like a certain sort of entity that is like uh imposing fear on you even if you have something that's formless you can create uh, a, partic a particular sense of fear through its design and i feel like uh the last boss in eight was just like a I, again it taking over the house and going out of the house and I mean, these are all things that were like beneficial for for like fps like you know it, it it was like okay this is great but the problem is that like in terms of its actual design it just was not uh as strong as it could have been um you know and and i think that that's one of the things that uh it, really it, kind of turned me off from a lot of things in seven, and i feel like What's up? I, I think it lacked charm. That, that you know. It, yeah. It just wasn't. Yeah. I, yeah, and I feel like eight is there's just there's a lot of care. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of. Oh, sorry, I was gonna uh, mention James. This just remind me of a conversation that I think me and Richmond had a while back. I'm trying to remember exactly, but we were kind of talking about how something about the like uh, like horror designs. Um, they don't have to do a lot to make you feel off kilter. I think we were kind of talking about like why really tall characters or really uh, short characters or ones that kind of they twist your expectation just a little bit, and that's that's actually far scarier than something that's just trying to be scary. Um, yeah, I'm blanking on what we were talking about what game, but it's it's it was reminding me of that kind of idea that you, you don't want to like with your, if you're not nuanced enough with your design. Then it it, be, it it comes off as cheesy. It doesn't come off as because um, like scare and horror and everything is not about actual fear. Like right? this is the part I think we were talking about Richmond, where we're kind of talking about how you get a lot of horror and fear from the unknown. Like Silent Hill did this really well, yes. well to the point where it could scare you with just sounds and reverse screams, and it was actually even scarier that nothing happened. <laughs> That something did, yeah. and that was things that like when they complicate horror designs. Uh, we might have even been talking about Cabin in the Woods. It's just like there's there's portions of like when you show people the monster, um, and you, or you show them a very direct design that's designed to be scary. It it actually has the opposite effect. Uh, that, yeah, that was actually my favorite part beast. of Cabin in the Woods, though. Like actually seeing all the monsters. Oh no, I think that's why we were talking about it in that context. Is that they they actually subvert that expectation. Uh, but it's still part of the horror trope, right? Yeah. Yeah, I, I think, um, gosh, there's there's a there's a game that recently, I don't want to say, I say relatively recent. Uh, I'm trying to think of the name of it. I think it's called, uh, uh, it's called World, World of Horror, but um, I think it's like Sekai no Kyofu. Um, that game is a for me it's a really good example of how to make something uh scary with limited resources because you don't have to like go crazy with everything like the game looks like a uh like a cross between like an 8 or 16 bit game um so all the pastels are washed out like for the fonts for ui like everything um and then certain certain portions of the game have like particular uh, color schemes and when you do see a monster it's not this massive like thing all the time it's sometimes it's a person that has some sort of for lack of a better word like a deformity or 
but it's also in the way that the art is done that it gives you a certain sense that the art is so jarring that like if you were to see this in real life like it would terrify you because it's in the visage of something that is familiar but is entirely unfamiliar um and i think seeing things like this it shows that like you know sometimes you don't need a monster as big as a house like sometimes you don't need like you know these things but again you know decisions are made because they're made and i think that you know it, seven obviously did its job because we wouldn't have eight uh without seven but i do think that their approach to uh what is scary or terrifying it seems like they're going for a different angle um you know because i'm pretty sure that uh this beautiful nine foot tall vampire woman is going yes. to make me terrified but i am so enthralled by her design and her sensibility and she's only in like a few shots but she has to be one of the most uh incredibly alluring characters that i've seen in a long time in resident evil and i'm so excited for what they represent and what they will be um in the game and i mean i don't know i feel like we should just talk about like you know her design in let's, general let's from what we could even see such a good design like she is on screen for like a few seconds like the, she isn't even officially unveiled yet she's she was in a preview of a preview right she's not even yeah. in the trailer that we're talking about and yet um she like lit the internet on fire like just a, all she does is she ducks under a door she smiles i think you see her sitting for like a split second but people are like she saunters a bit and that's it yeah but like, but it's like, such a memorable ugh. design it really so much feeling to it and uh, sean what was your first impression um i i think i saw it out of the wrong order because a number of people showed me screenshots or things before i watched the trailer in order uh so i was actually quite struck by how tall she is and it was one of those things where at first it didn't register because i saw the first screenshot oh wow very yeah, to to james point she commands attention and at first i was like that and then i saw so i, I saw that one screen where she's kind of looking at the camera but a lot of people showed me the other one where she steps through the door and then i had this like moan after looking at those trying to like decide what i think where i was like wait going through the door, then looking at how far, like looking at the background behind her and the other people in the shot. And it, like, it's something that doesn't immediately register to you. Like that's when it, it makes you off kilter because they actually don't call attention to it in the most obvious way. They actually play a lot with perspective in the shots that I saw. And then I was like, oh wait, that makes her way more intimidating for some reason. Uh, it's like the level of confidence that she has in the smile and like, yeah, it, to, you don't know anything about her, but I'm like, I really want to learn what her story is. Yeah. Um, and I, I appreciate that they made her an intimidating, commanding character without a lot of, um, without leading on a lot of crushes. She, she hasn't you know? done anything intimidating. She. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and yet every, she. Everything she's done intimidating. is intimidating. Yeah, but but we're we're everyone's like enthralled. You know, James, I gotta lay, lay it on us. Tell me. How did you feel oh. when you first oh, saw man. this character? I, you know what's interesting is that she's in the first trailer oh, she is? for like half a second. There's like one shot of her. And I remember oh, right, right. P 
people yeah. people were asking me about this game and I was like I really respect the design that I've seen but I didn't get the idea she was nine feet tall <laughs> I didn't get you know it was like I saw a beautiful character design and I was like okay well I and plus I was also kind of like man this, you know I don't know how I feel about this game yet but I remember that that design was something that kind of quietly stuck out to me so then when I'm seeing her again and she's on screen for a little bit more time, that's when I was like, wait a minute. I was like, who is this woman? Like, and who let Capcom put Bayonetta's aunt in this game? Uh, <laughs> because, because it's like, she's, she's like, she fits within the aesthetic of what the game is establishing within like the teasers and the trailers, but there's a particular uh, presence with her uh, in, in terms of her actual like fashion design, like her hat with the blouse, like every everything, the jewelry that she's wearing, uh, even the way that it seems like her hair may be cut, you know, like without the hat on, like there's a such a classical uh, feeling to her that is it just it, it grabs your attention. Um, you know, she reminds me a lot of. Uh, you know, something that is a fashion designer, I think her name is Claire White, Claire White Keller. Um, her brand is called Chloe, uh, and she has a lot of modern but classic uh, sort of things from like the 40s, like popcorn stitched things and uh, a lot of flowy like uh, blouses that create uh, alluring shapes and contours to someone's body. Uh, and someone with her frame, uh, I mean, she is a bit curvy. I will say that she is a bit curvy, but uh, she's still like, a tall frame uh it reminded me a lot of what chloe has kind of done so that was something where i was like holy crap like this is like fashion fashion in like yeah like in a way that that capcom has never really like done so intricately um and and it was something that just really just kind of was just breathtaking for me where i literally posted on twitter i was like i think this woman's gonna make me like this game like, 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 I think she's at a point where it's like, nah, I'm, I'm going to give this game a chance. I am intrigued by, uh, you know, this person's presence and I have no idea what they do, but you know who they remind me of in terms of stature. And again, this is probably like a small little plug for Tenet, but, um, Elizabeth Debicki is in this movie and she reminds me of a lot of like, 70s or early 80s like shoujo manga with like business women because she's like oh, super yeah, tall yeah. and she's got this like wiry frame and that you know again i'm not going to spoil anything but just the presence of this character is quietly intimidating uh there's not a lot of grandeur to her uh but there's a certain level of intimidation that you feel when you see the character that elizabeth debicki is playing in this movie um, and it, it, it was kind of like a parallel where I was like, man, like, you know, this woman commands attention, but I think this vampire woman that we don't have a name of, yeah, uh, she, name. Definitely, she definitely commands attention uh, in a specific way that is, uh, I mean, I mean, the internet is going to be abound with certain things that I'm not going to get into, but um, I do feel that there's a certain sort of uh, allure to her, and I mean, I'll say this for myself, like, there's certain things, like, all right, I'll give an example, right? Like, Clamps X, right? 
a lot of those characters are super fucking tall and like you know their out of their proportions is a specific stylistic choice um but one of the characters that really stands out for me in X was uh, Sheishiro because he just looks like a businessman with like you know like a, a, a fake eye um but you know when you look at him you don't suspect him to be necessarily an evil man but like the more that you get to know that character one you can see how someone like that can be very easy for you to like feel comfortable around and then it's too late and I feel like with this this vampire woman like we're looking at like a very similar uh sensibility um which to me i think is like if i'm correct right uh it's it's a specific choice that i think works very well within like grabbing your attention because like like from what i remember from all of the shots that i've seen her in they really play up her height they do not hide it um the camera's always under her um you know, like even when the camera is a bit closer to her, uh, the camera is under her. And, I, oh man. I, I wanted to add something that I noticed uh, now that I've been able to like, she doesn't appear that long, so you have to kind of find like a good screenshot to really drink in the details. But I also wonder, like, to me, uh, part of it is also, she has like, what I imagine are some sort of minions in the background, and there's almost like a... Two, like, Courtney uh, Love-looking uh, minions. Yeah, yeah. And I, I don't know how to describe it, but I feel like, so she has very visible, like, makeup on, and it's very, very on point. But the, her minions don't have as kind of well, well take care of as a, a clean as a face. And I feel like there's, like, kind of an underlying, you know, that this, like, smile and confidence that she has is really part of covering up something much more evil underneath. And oh, they yeah. communicate it so well in the juxtaposition of her minions, the way she looks, that, like, she's, she's both, like, got this kind of, uh, like, very desaturated feel to her, but it's not colorless, right? And it feels yeah. very intentional. But you can also see, if you look really closely, like her blush, you can see to some degree, um, they use red very carefully. Um, and it shows through in certain areas. And it may, again, it, it's, it's an, it's, it achieves this off-kilter nature. She has this like beautiful flower, but it's dead. Uh, yes. Like there's, there's a lot going on that is, th this is I think what people talk about when they talk about a refined design. It, yeah. It's yeah. elegant. Not because of any anything that not because she's wearing a nice dress or a necklace. It's elegant because it communicates so much with so little. Yeah. 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 I was gonna actually backtrack something that I said. There is a shot that, where the camera is above her, uh, and that is where you see the the two minions, and it is a a for for I guess like a bad, lack of a better uh, description, it is a money shot where you get to see so much of her design up close. Yeah. Uh, so you know. so but that, that was the shot I was talking about where the first few times I saw it, this is what we were talking about, uh, I thought it was actually a perspective angle. I didn't realize. But then once you once you see other shots that indicate how tall she is, yep. and then you go back and look at that shot, you realize how much, how like how intimidating it communicates her stature. Um, yeah. Because like, I, I haven't, obviously we don't know who them in the game, but if you look at like what it looks like, in other angles that they show her and you look at this and then as soon as you go oh wait a minute maybe this isn't a perspective play with the camera maybe she's just this freaking tall um it starts like like i feel like the horror starts creeping in you're like oh 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 
makes her way more intimidating. That's that's yeah. Um, it, it's what you were talking about before, taking something familiar and then uh, distorting it, right? Because at first yeah, glance, yeah, yeah. Right? you're like, oh, you know, some uh, refined lady. And you're like, holy crap, she's 12 feet tall. Like, you know what it reminds me of is um, the, the, the ghost from the Silent Hills demo. Uh, we were talking about it, how yeah, that's another really successful VR game. But um, do you remember when you finally get a clear look at it? It's really unsettlingly tall. It's, it's, its head is like right up to the ceiling. And it's, it's really freaky when you finally see it. I think there's a little bit of that. Uh, I, I know this isn't exactly the same thing, but have you all seen uh, a lot of the the people that have uh, broken down that demo and discovered that, like, even though you it's never see it, the ghost is actually behind you the whole time? Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. It's like yeah. it's like that's literally something that feeds into a fear that I have had since I was a child. Yeah. You know, like back when I used to be afraid of the dark, like I always assumed that like the moment that i was in the dark long enough like i was going to be consumed like that was just like it wasn't about something being in the darkness it was just the darkness is here and i can't get away from it like yeah. and ah oh, man like like that type of if you can create that kind of fear in something that is normal like that's even more uh intimidating like that's even more because you're, it's unsuspecting yeah uh, and I think that there's a trick to this person where you're just like, oh my god, like, like you're so beautiful, but I'm scared of you. Uh, and I keep going back to that shot where, you know, Richmond brings up a good point. She doesn't do anything terrifying. Nope. She's literally just Not being beautiful. And it's like, even when she's like bending down to get into the door and you see how big she is, it's just like, oh my god, like, like I can't wait. Like, I, I and this is just me. I seriously hope that like she punches and chokes the shit out of people. Like I hope that there is some sort of physical dynamism that you get to see with this character because like she's so tall, she's That's, so huge. I mean, okay, like, I'm gonna get into the internet reaction. Like, how how many people on Twitter were like, "Oh, please, just step on me, step on me." It's almost a meme that are people like developers please let the tall lady chase us yeah, yeah. <laughs> like i just it's like, like oh, no, I, I, don't catch I, me oh. with your you know size 20 heels like like people are going nuts. <laughs> oh for, i want that so bad yeah this character <laughs> i want that screen. so bad it's like it's amazing oh. how effectively this character conveys this like yeah with with not like just these snippets it's, yeah, they're not even scenes with her. No, it's just that. like that's how ugh. good the design is. Like her expressions are are, are perfect. There, there's something about her eyes that's like, you know, you, you know, like okay, you're on her good side right now, but like she she this is someone that'll just like flip in an instant and they'll they'll enjoy it, you know. Oh yeah, oh yeah. This communicated so well. You're right. You feel immediately that she's probably very nice and cordial very confident but i could see i can i can really imagine her immediately becoming horrifying yeah uh you know and you, you, you um, that is let, let's let's dig into the psychology of this because I, I i think the obviously her being so tall is is a huge part of it also like if you look at her she she's a little bit older than your typical you know attractive yep. female video game character right she looks like she's yeah a, i was at least like in yeah, her was, 40s um, but yeah, I was I was going to talk about that. Is that um, 
that's another uh, aspect to her that's incredibly interesting is that, you know, this is a person of experience. Yeah. This is like, you know, the, the <laughs> horror that we're, uh, the implication of the horror that we're experiencing with this character is, is new to us and it's new to the people that are encountering her. But like, this is just another Tuesday for her. This is just like, <laughs> and you, and it's been this way for a long time. And since she's a vampire, it may be longer than you would expect. Do we, so, do we know that she's there, a vampire for sure? Yeah, so it's like, and then it's like, you know, looking at her, like, I, like, you in just movies know. and in, yeah, yeah, and well, in, in movies and in real life, you know, like, I have seen people that have that, that there's a particular structure to when they smile, even though the smile is a, is a pleasant expression or a positive expression, there's an underlying feeling and tone where you know that, there's something else underneath it and it might be the coloration of the lipstick the fact that it looks like it does not look like the conventionally beautiful it's kind of like it looks like the way that the makeup is applied is, is, is applied in, in a way that it's like i'm hiding something that is outwardly like visible if you're paying attention like it's it's like she reminds me of like the certain type of uh i don't know if they're like villains per se but well i guess so you could say that um she reminds me of what i think the lady from a flower in the attic was like when she was younger so like, uh, i want to mention to your question um i don't think it's confirmed just so you know that she's a vampire but i think a lot of people were extrapolating from interviews that uh the developers indicated oh. that this game is gonna have like werewolves uh, witches vampires like that yeah, kind of yeah, yeah. so like, i think her kind feel. of paleness Combined with what the developers were talking about, people kind of put two and two yeah. together and well, said, "Okay, actually, <laughs> James, you, you, James mentioned she does appear for a split second in the very first trailer." I went back, I looked. If you if if you go through and pause on that screen, it looks like she's sucking blood out of someone's wrist, but it's not. Oh, okay, well, yep. it's not a hundred percent. It looks like it's about to happen or just happened, but um, I, you know, not not nothing certain, but um, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, you're right. There is a screenshot of it. Yeah, that's yeah, very vampire-y of her. Yeah, but it's just uh, to, yeah. to, to just the credit of the design itself. The design just really emphasizes that that this is a woman that's even older than than she appears, right? Yeah, it, it's like it's oh, you know, telling... having, having on point red lipstick would be a really good way to hide that you eat blood. Like it would kind of blend yep. it in very nicely. Anyway, go on. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, like just everything about her design is uh, just it, it it pulls at so many different things, and it again. I mean, I'm one of those people that was very wait and see about this game, and her being in it is like it, there's 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 like this feeling of like, well, I want to know what she's about, yeah, and I want to experience this because now it's like there's this piece that was missing from uh what i saw right because i saw great environmental design i saw great uh character like monster and creature design and stuff and i was i was cool with that but but this part this woman is like to me like a piece that was missing from it to kind of like pull me in where i'm like now i feel like i'm looking at the curator of this world right i'm looking at the person who is like potentially the face of this world and now i'm more curious about you know what she's going to represent and i mean because i'm the weirdo 
I want her in Marvel's Capcom 4. I'm already like, <laughs> yo, like, because like she just everything about this character I want it to be explored to the most ridiculous amount because like I have not seen a character design like this from Capcom in a, in a long time that evokes this type of uh, curiosity and uh, I'm I'm I just I really I think I'm gonna buy this game <laughs> like yeah. I think that she's gonna be the reason that I end up picking this up because she's got so much command that you can't help but want to know uh more about her i almost yeah. feel like she's iconic enough to stand on her own already like yeah. i would be very cool with uh dlc that is strictly about this character and i think capcom is smart enough to understand that like they, they should have something in the works for when this game is already out and like done with it's like because people like this character a lot and if they don't know that if they didn't know that they know that now you know yeah um like because yeah it was like the icing on the cake for all the things that i already liked about eight like in this trailer but it's like she was just like the icing on the cake so i mean job well done on them and also on how they cut this trailer man like it ended exactly when it was supposed to it had exactly what you needed um and again i you know i go back to you know the moments where mia is talking like you know those are the most silent hill feels that you could get from an re8 trailer yeah uh, and that's a good thing I, that's a yeah i i want to keep talking about this character I, i'm i'm not done yet oh, oh <laughs> like, i'm fine with that <laughs> I, I, just, yeah. say. I was i was thinking that i was going on too much about so like no, no, no you no. guys yeah please like <laughs> okay so again like we we've been able to say this much and you know J james who is a famous admirer of strong women and a creator of strong uh you know yeah. women characters in his own work um to be so taken by this character i think that means a lot and especially like literally just snippets like tiny yeah. little morsels just like crumbs but we're, we're we're you know we're enthralled and um i like it just speaks to the strength of the, of the design I, I think um part of the reason why uh she's so striking is that all these elements come together to make her um really like creepily like matronly you know like mm -hmm. uh, um she's a little bit older right you already said she has sort of a experienced air about her and then her scale her scale to a normal person it's like it takes you back to being a kid when 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 you were yeah. just a child and adults just towered over you like she evokes that feeling and i i, I actually think I actually think they designed her to do this. Like, I think that's why people have like this crazy reaction to her where, um, you know, people are already like, oh my God, this is my king. <laughs> like people, yeah, like, like <laughs> everything about the design heightens that. Like she's, 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 she's huge. Um, even her two attendants, her, like they're, they're much smaller than her, right. To, to, to emphasize the scale, but also they look less mature than her. They have that like nineties yep. Courtney love, like whole, like grungy look like their lips yeah. is like intentionally like off you know smeared all over they look like teenagers and she looks yeah. like a grown woman and then her her style of dress is a throwback to um way older era you know she's like from the the 20s you know yeah. like, like very proper and um it it's it all comes together powerfully it 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 reminds me of like a 
another video game that I think took advantage of this scale was um, in uh, uh, Dark Souls with uh, what, what was her name? Gu uh, Guinevere? Guinevere? Yeah. Remember, um, you know, this giant uh, like hot <laughs> Grefior bikini model. <laughs> yeah, like she was so out of um, in, in this game full of like monsters and, and knights like one of the most imposing figures was this giant voluptuous woman and um the creators actually said that was directly uh inspired by an old manga called um uh, give me one second uh it was from tranquil tranquil mansion i got a manga by uh, fujiko a fujio who were the creators of doraemon uh this was one oh, of their wow. It was one of their uh, manga aimed at uh, grown-ups. They actually did like uh, seinen type manga too for businessmen. And Tranquil Mansion was about the secret mansion for well where wealthy people, like world leaders, would go away to forget their troubles. Uh, because the secret of the mansion was there's this giant, <laughs> beautiful woman. She she's like twelve feet tall, and she just cradles them like they're babies. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's um you know like all these powerful men at the end of the day like they just wanted to feel like this comfort of being like a helpless baby you know again that's how they wanted to relax and um this comic was about that and then they brought that into uh you know that character in uh in dark souls and and uh, you know maybe maybe or not i have no idea but um whether or not it influenced this character in resident evil i think they're both tapping into the same like deeply rooted psychology like it's such a good design it's it's so good and it, it, it just it's hard to argue with the fact that like people are crazy for this character just at it just based off of nothing you know just she it's, hasn't it, yeah, done it's, anything it's... she's done nothing and you already get so much of the personality and and, and power of the character it's nuts yeah I mean, it says it says so much that you can you can show like less than thirty seconds of a character and and command so much from like an unsuspecting audience. I, I think uh, there might be so less like, than like three seconds, actually. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like it's just like I'm I'm just I'm thoroughly impressed, uh, and it and it just makes me want to. Uh, no more and it's causing me to uh, be more willing to find out more yeah. uh, prior to its release uh, and I think that if you can pull somebody from like I guess you know a relatively standoffish perspective about a game and to pique their curiosity to this extent is uh, that's a that's a talent and I think that you know it, it should be commended like whoever the team was that is behind this game like they are doing things that they did not do for me with seven uh and they're doing it in eight and you know I, as i said i mean i'll i will gladly admit i definitely was kind of like staying away from this game but now uh you know i'm curious to see you know what happens i mean i mean personally speaking if they gave me just me right like a third person walking simulator with her i would probably be okay with it I'd probably be perfectly fine because they're. You, you mean a stepping simulator? Looking, 
Yeah, it's like, yeah. Because <laughs> the thing is, right, like, we're seeing these shots of her, like, from the front mostly, right? Like, can you imagine the the stature and the feeling that it, we would have, like, hearing her walk around uh, and seeing her walk with this hat from, like, third person and them having to figure out where that camera would be? Like, that would be, like, a really... Uh, a visceral experience that I would be perfectly satisfied with if that's all that I had actually could do with her in the game. But that's just me. I'm just, you know, putting that out there. Because, uh, I mean, the game is first person, but, like, oh, man, I can imagine, like, seeing her in third person would be just, like, fantastic, man. Um, I I also am looking forward to, like, I seriously hope, like, I think Sean said this, like, you know, it's like, I hope she chases you around. Like, because think about this. This is another thing that's kind of untapped, right? It's similar, but it's, like, I think it's a, another, I guess, layer to a certain sort of fear. When I played Resident Evil Remake and Mr. X was walking around, uh, I talked a little bit about, like, how much I love the sound design in that game. Because when you heard him walk, you didn't just hear the boots, like pounding the the ground in the police station you heard the buckles actually moving against like the surface on his boots as he's walking like you heard him like in his entirety like you you felt that you know like from the boots the buckles on him the coat like you felt these things as he was chasing you and as those sounds were getting louder i think they have the potential to create that sensibility in a particular way that's specific to this character where you just hear the ferocity and the frequency of her heels clacking faster and yeah. louder and echoing uh, echoing and echoing so it's like the potential of what i am hoping to experience with this character is amazing to like just like wax poetic about and i again like i i really I'm looking forward to it, you know, and again, this is someone who's not necessarily the biggest fan of FPS, uh, but this, this, this woman is, is causing me to overlook that entirely. Like, <laughs> yeah, like, I'm just like, ah, that's the power of a, just a really good character design, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure. Um, I mean, and that's, again, I mean, she's, a, a, a vital piece within the world that they're introducing us to and I think that it's important that uh, a character like that has that kind of control um, and I feel like this is like that one-two punch of this is how we're going to get people who may not be interested in this game uh, and I think that that's like a incredible selling point is just like being able to do that because I don't have a PS5 yet I have had no desire to purchase a PS5 and I think that this game is PS5 and Xbox Series X only I'm not sure um, I think it is a PS5 game so you know it's one of those situations where I'm like well you know what like this might be the game that I get <laughs> when I get a PS5 are they really not doing a backwards compatible version? I don't think that there is I, I, oh, really? I'm not sure I haven't checked uh, I mean like like, I'm not sure if it's going to be on the PS4. I mean, if it's on PS4, I'm buying it. I'm going to look that up right now. Actually, no. To... No, I have to take that back. Because I just signed up for a closed beta, and it is available for Pro. I was going to mention that I don't that know I, if it's I for RE8. That... But... This, is, this is more of a, a side thing about how I think uh, that Sony has actually a great strategy here, is that I think they recognized the 
there's like a couple hundred million people that are still going to have a PS4 for a good long while, and I think that they yeah. really avoid. Not that they aren't making exclusive titles, um, but I think they're really avoiding uh, having any of the currently announced titles come out on only PS5. Um, and even though, like, I, like I haven't felt the need to get a PS5, which I guess hurts their business strategy, but I've also really had a lot more faith in Sony because, like, I've been able to play a lot of the launch titles that I wanted on my PS4. And even though it sounds like a jet engine when it's running them, I've still been very impressed at its ability to render and run all those things. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. I'll actually, I, put me on the path of buying a PS5 when it comes out, or I, when, when it's available. I comes out, don't available. think it's been announced for PS4. I'm looking at the Wikipedia page. It, it says Windows, PS5, Xbox Series X, slash S. Uh, oh, well, for me, being a, you know, part of design at a PC gaming company, I'll probably be paying on a PC then. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> see that's uh, the thing like i i think that like i said there's a demo that they haven't announced the game for yet it's like a beta rather that's going to be uh accessible but it is connected to resident evil uh and i think it probably is going to be outbreak or something like that but uh you know if this game is available for playstation 4 i'll definitely get it uh but i but i do think that if it is strictly ps5 this is the first game that has been officially announced that would make me want to get a PlayStation 5 potentially. Mm. Um, so, I mean, you know, if it's... If that's what it's going to take, I mean... Because there's always... Whenever there's a console, like a new console, I always go through the same thing. I'm like, I don't need it. And then there's something that comes out for it that's, like, exclusive for it, where I'm like, nah, I want to play this game. So it, this is the first that I've well, seen or something I, like that. To be fair, you know, at some point, um, it's just going to hold game developers back if they have to keep maintaining support for, you know, previous consoles. I really feel like that really bit Cyberpunk pretty hard in the in the whatever, wherever you get bit by that. But uh, I, I suspect that, like, as much as, like, they could have handled their game stuff better, I also, and I think <laughs> anyone that's made games recognizes the that producing games for different platforms takes a lot of extra work and the fact that they did it for basically everything except the switch um i think really hurt so like there's part of me that to your point which is like i don't really want to not ready for a ps5 yet i don't want to be forced into it but also it does make it harder for game developers to focus so i you know maybe it's a blessing in disguise in terms of the quality of the game that we're going to get oh yeah, yeah. yeah i mean that's yeah, what i'm sure. assuming uh just looking at how intricate like everything is in this game like there's a uh, controlled sense of like ornate design sensibility um that is not overwhelming or painfully too busy like it's busy but it's it's done in a way that i feel like it's it's easier on the eyes to receive it does kind of like what rich said it does feel less busy than resident evil 7 and i don't even know how to put my finger on it <clears throat> other than like it may just be that the designs even just for what we've seen of chris and of uh this character we're talking about um they are more iconic they're they're um they're much kind of easier to look at they feel they feel more intentional to me they feel more directed yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, i wanted to bring uh, up um I posted before we like move completely off of the character. I posted a bit in our chat. I saw a couple people kind of poking at this idea, and I don't know as much about it other than like uh, I became very interested once I saw it. But they were kind of speculating that there may be influence of um, this uh, 
kind of a, uh, a a type of Japanese spirit. The um, I'm gonna butcher the pronunciation, but the the hachishaku, the uh, kind of this uh, impossibly tall woman uh, that wears like a hat, uh, you know, a white hat and a white sundress, <laughs> and kind of stalks you, oh. uh, stalks children uh, specifically, or usually children, and then just kind of eventually abducts them. Uh, apparently, it's it's uh, a, a Japanese oh, yeah. yeah oh for sure definitely uh, yeah. I, I was like oh, oh yeah this, this character archetype or this, this this ghost urban legend has definitely got a lot of the same aspects of what makes it scary yeah uh, I'm not going to like retell the story but actually Richmond this even reminds me of like real ghost stories that Wiki used to tell us about like from his childhood or stuff that uh, we we would like I don't know when we were maybe a little tipsy we would talk about like you know real ghost stories and stuff especially Japanese ghosts are terrifying mm. uh, so I don't know it just reminds me of a lot of those things that we used to talk about as well yeah. both interesting and terrifying at the same time yeah Hachisha- uh, Hachishaku it literally means uh, eight feet tall eight yeah I was gonna say yeah it actually is eight foot tall yeah like oh that's yeah and it's got tough. the hat it's got the wide brimmed hat. That is hundred percent, like definitely an intentional uh, reference. Yeah, and um, it, it abducts children, which I guess is, which is, uh, ties into the, the, the cinematic. Actually, the, the the teaser trailer is about the child. Being yeah, I was gonna say, yeah, yeah, like <laughs> like the the puzzle is being <laughs> being being poked at, <laughs> like. But, but just the fact that we're even uh, just the fact that we're even like diving this passionately on one aspect of and I and I feel like the fact that they're not showing her a lot there's a possibility that she's like a huge part of this which is my hope because I don't want this character to show up for like one scene and that be the end of it that would make me so sad like, like I hope that she is like the, the everything of this game <laughs> like that is that is my my sincere hope yeah. is that she is like super important uh you know but yeah i mean i'm i'm thoroughly impressed with this character for sure and uh you know like i said if you can get me to get a playstation 5 you've done you've done something great like if you can make me say oh okay fine i'll go ahead and do this then You've 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 done an excellent job, so um, kudos to the development team behind this game. Uh, I feel like some of these people definitely worked on Monster Hunter because the level <laughs> of the the level of talent in this is not normal. <laughs> like it's just not like the only thing I could think of is that like you know they they got some Monster Hunter people to be like, hey, I want you to work on RE for a little bit because the stuff that I see um, here is just it's magnificent dude, and dude one of the uh, listed uh, art directors is uh, Tomonori Takano who did uh, Lost Planet 2 oh that's now that's a classic game. nobody talks about underrated game yeah yeah highly underrated game yeah. that is a highly underrated game yeah. more people should definitely be screaming about Okay. That is a very we, we should talk about now, but that's also a very Capcom game, and I don't know how to describe it other than like it, it <laughs> has a lot of Capcom to it, a lot of Capcom that I love. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, 
Uh, we, we should definitely yeah. do a podcast on that one. Oh my gosh, but, uh, I'd so be down for that. Yeah, yeah. Let's uh, go back back to Resident Evil. Do we, let's maybe wrap wrap things up. Yeah. Start start mm-hmm. winding down. I think. Um, so I wanted to yeah throw in a fun fact only because like uh, I accidentally like kind of read it somewhere. And uh, I keep kind of coming back to it as kind of an interesting thing is that uh, uh, Resident Evil 8 is not, in fact, the eighth game. It's actually the tenth game. Uh, this has been a very prolific series, and I think that's part of why it's got such a distinct doesn't work. Wait, is it Resident Evil or does it or does it not? But I just wanted to mention that, like, uh, for some reason in my mind, I was always like, oh, yeah, there's like four or five games. Just like, so I guess if there's eight, whatever, and there's an eight one. But there's actually and that, that doesn't even include all, all the spinoffs. There's actually like over 20 different Resident Evil titles that you can oh, play, yeah. so it's a deep franchise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when when you say it's the 10th mainline one, that's what counting like Code Veronica. Uh, yeah, it's uh, what is characterized as not, uh, 10th major installment, meaning not okay. a spinoff. If that makes sense. What, what's so the like other a spinoff one? would be? What's that? What What's the other like unnumbered one that that's still a mainline game? Oh, zero, right? Um, Wasn't there like a zero? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, zero, yeah there's zero. Yeah. <laughs> um, wait, what I'll tell you, it's... Uh, well, this all, I'm going to get up real quick. Uh, no, that's got to be it, right? Zero and... I've seen, a, I've seen a list somewhere uh, that characterizes which ones are mainline and which ones are spinoff. Yeah. Uh, um, Code Veronica, did that have like a PS2 port? That that was a, it, had, that was it was on Dreamcast. Yep. Uh, uh, rest in peace, Dreamcast. Yeah. Such a such a great system. Uh, meta meta plug, because <laughs> the that episode's already gonna gonna be out by this time. But listen to our Dreamcast episode before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, this kind of works out like that sometimes. Yeah. Um. I swear I saw a list of all of them somewhere. Um, and now I can't find it because I'm good at the internet. That's all good. Um, if you look at any Wikipedia article, you scroll to the bottom. It'll it usually has like every game in the series uh, at the at the very bottom. Oh, here we go. Let's see uh, timeline. So I think the main oh, line oh, is yeah, Resident Code Veronica. There were two part threes, right? Yeah, yeah. So, like, so there's Resident Evil, there's 2, 3, uh, Code Rana, there's uh, Evil, Evil Zero, and then there's 4, 5, Revelation 6, Revelations 2, 7, and then, of course, like, uh, you know, 8 uh, is coming, or Resident Evil, Resident Evil Village, <laughs> if you will. But in between them, there's, like, Resident Evil Outbreak, there's Code Veronica, there's Survivor, there's Umbrella Chronicles, there's Dark Side Chronicles... There's uh, Operation Raccoon City, et cetera. Those are not considered mainline titles. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Oh, man. Oh, pretty hyped for this new one, got to say, especially after talking about it for so long. This is the first, <laughs> like, uh, next-gen title where I'm like, oh, okay, that, that looks pretty interesting. Yeah. yeah. Like, uh... It's again. I mean, for it to grab attention the way that it has is uh, it's a it's it's a testament to the work that's being that has been put into this game, and 
Um, again, if this is what they're showing in small snippets to uh, to entice people, then that means that there's high potential for there to be even more amazing amazing moments ahead with yeah, what so. this game is to provide. So, yeah. the, I'd say that they're definitely turning me around on it because, like I said, I was not very interested in it when they announced it. Um, yep. it. It felt, like I said, it felt like more of a continuation of what we what we saw in seven, which. Yeah, I thought it was like I thought it was fine. It just wasn't. It just didn't work for me as well. Um, but yeah, like I'm a bit. I'm. I'm definitely in the like. Oh, you. Uh, you uh, you had you you know you had my my interest, but now you have my attention. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like, you know, butchering like that, that quote. I'm sure. I'm sure. I just absolutely yeah. butchered it. It's all good. It's all good, man. You two two out of three in bed. That's fine. Um, <laughs> The just so in case people aren't aware, there is a Resident Evil showcase uh, coming up January twenty first. Uh, that is going to be revealing more about Resident Evil Eight, as well as uh, I think a new game that they're going to be uh, revealing that they're going to be doing a beta test for. Oh, uh, that I've I've been trying to sign up for for the past day or two. It's kind of hard to get stuff to work for for some reason, but. Um, you know, like I'm, I'm curious because there's, it's, I think it's the 25th anniversary of Resident Evil uh, that they're celebrating. So there's going to be some releases and some new info coming out about uh, Resident Evil, and that's only a few days away. Yeah. Um. So, you know, I just, I would say, if anything, stay tuned for that. Um, I believe it's on their official Twitter. Um, that they've been uh advertising it but uh you know i would say if you're you're interested in it you know definitely uh you know give this a look on the 21st i think they have like all the times listed like when this is supposed to happen so you know i would definitely uh keep keep an eye out for that i'm actually looking at the twitter now to see which what the name of the the, the actual twitter is let's see it's actually being it's on the Resident Evil Biohazard Ambassador Official, which is uh, R-E-B-H-F-U-N. So if you think of Resident Evil Biohazard Fun, it's easier to remember that. <laughs> um, but they, they're advertising a closed beta test celebrating the 25th anniversary of Resident Evil, uh, which partly has me thinking that it's probably going to be maybe an outbreak game uh you know because i think if you're doing a closed beta for uh re8 uh you would say it's for re8 like you wouldn't you know and it's on and like i said re8 hasn't been announced for the four or the pro or anything like that so I have a feeling that whatever this is is probably not going to be eight, but it'll be an interesting game. So it'll be fun to uh, anticipate what the reveal is, because um, I feel like if you give me too much of this vampire lady too early, it's gonna run into Capcom and be like, "Give me the whole game now. Here's my money, please. I won't tell the soul. <laughs> Just let." Have me they, have they generally indicated what the rough like release target is for the game, or is that uh, pretty? It just says 2021. Um, I'm okay, so it's going to be late 2021, though. You know, like, I feel like it'll be late. Just because, like, I feel like whatever is going on now is mostly, like, internal QA 
uh, just to make sure that the game is at like a particular because I don't know if they're going to do a demo for it and if they do it'll probably be like some random part in the middle of the game that is just kind of like nondescript and maybe has like a tease of like you know everybody yeah, remember, remember demos? <laughs> they don't really do yeah. that much anymore yeah, I mean, and I can, I, I, I kind of can understand why. I mean, it's logistically speaking, it's probably like a uh, looked at as like an unnecessary like process, depending on the game. Uh, for most games, yeah, you don't really see uh, many betas or demos. Like they did like a demo for uh, RE remake, which was appreciated. That was cool, um, but I think that that was probably more of like a well. We'll, we'll give you guys something to like mess around with it's you know and it's a remake of a game it's not like an entirely new game uh and i think that the way people data mine the remake stuff they're probably scared of like uh too much being revealed if they do some sort of demo or beta for re8 like i feel like because i think i don't know if this is true or not for sure but someone said that the ending leaked on the internet at some point and it's been scrubbed uh so it's probably in their you best like the interest. Leaks, they decided to change it. What's what up? You mean, or you mean that they got taken off the internet? Like, like the ending. I don't know if it was footage or just people talking about it, but like there was like because I've seen these YouTube. Whenever I search up Resident Evil Eight, there's always these videos like RE Eight ending leaked on the internet. Like uh, you know, and I just obviously avoid them because. It's like, one, I don't want to be spoiled if I'm going to play the game, but two, like, these people work super hard, man. There's so much that goes into any game, even if you don't like the game. Uh, there's a lot of hard work from not just, like, the people designing the monsters and, like, programming and coding it, but even the people who sign the checks and, like, just there's so much that goes into uh, creating games and, like, for... for you know all of that effort to go towards being spoiled and it not making as much money because like things are revealed before they're supposed to it's a really it's, it's sad um so i try to stay away from things like that and i try not to um you know show people even if i know something it's just like nah man like like let this game do what it needs to do you know i mean especially capcom recently got hacked like there's a lot of stuff that came out that wasn't supposed to come out so like you know, I hope that none of that affects, uh, like, Resident Evil 8. Like, I hope that this game is allowed to do what it's going to do, even if I don't like the game, like, you know, like, just any game. Like, let it come out and do what it needs to do. Yep. All right. Um, let's, uh, let's, let's, let's wind things down. Um, anyone have Sounds any, like any uh, final thoughts on on res what we've seen of resident evil 8 so far um I i'll just say again you know as someone who was a bit standoffish about the game um you know seeing them make a return to some of the charm that got me interested in resident evil in the first place uh is a wonderful thing and given the way that things are with games right now it's a brave choice but it's also it looks like it's being made with a lot of confidence uh, and I'm really excited about it, and I hope that uh, more people are just as excited as I am about this. Uh, it's a it's a good feeling to have. I haven't felt like this in a while for a new game, so um, I'm definitely looking forward to this more than I thought I ever would. Yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, I'm kind of. Uh, I actually agree. I'm, I, I was like I said, I got really turned around a lot on caring about the game. I, I really, I had kind of forgotten about it because um, I was looking at it as I'm, you know, not into. So I'm still kind of antsy about the first person. Um, yeah. I, I, I'm kind of of the opinion so far that I've, to be honest with you, mainly enjoyed, uh, enjoyed first person in Call of Duty titles. I think it works really well for them. Mm-hmm. Um, horror, like other games and horror titles, and even like recently starting to play uh, through Cyberpunk. Um, it's it's never ruined a game for me, but it is something where sometimes if it's it's not applied well, um, it it can hurt it quite a bit. Um, certain things just are much harder to communicate uh, in first person, uh, so I'm still I'm still worried about that. Don't get me wrong, but um, I've also I, I think if they deliver the narrative um, and the gameplay in a way that leans a bit closer to the action oriented but maintains the kind of horror approach they're trying to take i think the fact that the the characters and the 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 plot seems kind of incomprehensible which i enjoy and they seem to be leading into that there's kind of a spooky mansion situation going on which i I, we talked about i really like the recall to the uh to the kind of original the roots of uh of really survival horror in general because i feel like uh, sweet home didn't just influence resident evil it really influenced a lot of so so i really hope that that's we're reading that correctly that there is a return a bit of a return um to to that and i'll also be honest that um i mentioned on a previous podcast but that i've actually been getting uh watching a lot of like supernatural and rereading things like dresden and uh playing with supernatural elements but but subverting expectations or treating them separately from their stereotype and putting them into a new context that's actually been very interesting Interesting to me recently. I've really been enjoying narratives that do that. And it sounds like from listening to the interviews with developers or reading them, that, that even though it's still a Resident Evil game, it's, you know, it's got Chris Redfield, it's got Ethan Winters, you know, it's a continuation of the storyline. They are imbuing a bit more supernatural elements into the monsters. And I'm interested to see what that creates. We Like, we already somewhat have indication that there's a vampire if there are things like werewolves and other things, I'm kind of interested in what Resident Evil's take on those is in conjunction with the, the Umbrella Corporation, like viral kind of back backdrop that the games have always had. So to me, there's a, a lot of um, potentially interesting, uh, to use James, a lot of interesting flavors and spices that uh, could be could be enjoyable or, or not. Um, I'll probably play it on PC. I don't I don't know if it's going to convince me to get a PS5, but also, you know, uh, very into PC gaming, and I have a computer that's capable of running it at high, you know, high end. Uh, and I feel like having like sitting in front of a desk in like a dark room with headphones on seems like a good way to experience a game like this. Um, oh yeah. In my like well lit living room, you know, a chair that's ten feet away from the screen and no headphones. So that's part of why I'm leaning toward that. But I agree with James. I'm actually, uh, I, I'm honestly not as I haven't been excited for a lot of games coming out, or I haven't really had games to look forward to, and. Uh, this this conversation not only makes me look forward to this game, but also I'm probably gonna go back and replay like uh, some of my favorite Resident Evils. I actually am. I might return to Resident Evil Five and play through it again because uh, may not be everyone's favorite, but I actually do really enjoy the the, the gameplay of it. And uh, I don't know, both like four, five, and six are actually like uh, pretty enjoyable games for me. I, I kind of enjoy the uh, over the shoulder Chris Redfield, Leon Kennedy kind of approach to them a little yeah. more classical so, uh yeah this has really got me got me excited 
to talk to, to to play it and see when it comes out. Nice. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. I was, I'll just echo your your sentiments. Um, I, I, first, I was hesitant about uh, eight just because um, you know seven didn't really draw me in. It, it felt like uh, you know Capcom was just trying to. They're like, oh, what what do Americans want? Let's try to figure that out. And then um, eight, I feel like, is them returning to you know getting their confidence back. Uh, it, it, it's just a much more assured looking game so far, and it has that that really appealing Capcom uh, design sense um, that I thought was lacking from from seven, and that's that's in full force uh, in eight. Like the the more we talk about it, just the more neat little details uh, I notice uh, throughout the trailer, and um, yeah, just very very excited. Uh, look forward to this game. Looking forward to it. All right, shall we end end things here? Yeah. 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 Sounds All good. good. All right. Okay. So, um, thanks for listening. You know, if you made it all the way to the end, really appreciate um, just you know you spending the time, uh, taking the time out of your day to uh, listen to us. Um, you know, gush about video games over and over. Um, always always a pleasure to record with you guys so so thank you for for taking the time out of your, your schedules to uh, record week after week oh, of course yeah. absolutely so um, yep i'm your host richmond uh you can follow me on twitter at richmond r-i-c-h-m-o-n-d underscore l-e-e um and uh you, if you enjoy the podcast um you can also f- uh keep track of the podcast on twitter at art eater podcast um that's the best way to know, you know, get notified when, whenever anyone comes up. And, uh, yeah, uh, Sean, James, just uh, let, let people know how to keep track of you. Sean? Oh, uh, I was going to I was gonna let James go, but I guess I'll go. Uh, yep, I'm uh, Sean. I'm always here. You can follow me uh, on Twitter uh, at Dvorsk, D-A-B-O-R-S-K. Uh, um, also, uh, so I, I talk about PC gaming. I talk about... Uh, interactive design, uh, video games, that kind of thing. Uh, normally, my day job, I lead design at uh, NZXT. Uh, we make PC games. Uh, PC games, we don't. We make PC gaming hardware and work on things to improve uh, the experience of PC gamers. So yeah, we should make PC games, though. But uh, neither here nor there. Uh, also, um, working on doing a lot of uh, writing for, for games and uh, a couple different things. So yeah, if you're interested in reading about that stuff or seeing me retweet, like Richmond and James and some of other friends, really cool art uh, and tidbits. Uh, that's what you get there. I just want to add, Sean is an absolutely world-class uh, designer, like graphic designer, UI design. Um, he's, he's, he's awesome. So if, you, if you're if you into um, uh, the design uh, aspect of, uh, you know, visual design, definitely follow Sean. Thank you. You flatter right. me. Yeah. Uh, so this is uh, James. I mean, if you've been uh, listening to Art Eater for, for a while, I've been a frequent guest here. Uh, but you can follow me on Twitter at beefy underscore kunoichi. That's B-E-E-F-Y underscore K-U-N-O-I-C-H-I. Uh, if you like uh, 80s anime, um, it's really cool music, uh, you like really nice artwork that is an homage to a lot of these things. Uh, you'll see a lot of my progress on a project I'm working on called Part-Time Shuffle, where I'm the writer, artist, and creator for. 
Um, so you see a lot of development there for uh, the book, uh, the game, and other things that will be coming in the future. Uh, I'm actually also doing a lot of writing. I don't know if you'll see snippets of what I'm writing for, but you'll see that soon enough. But you, what you will see is uh, a segment that I do uh, just about every weekend called Lunch Break Hot Takes. Uh, it's basically where I talk a bit about uh, games, uh, culture, animation, uh, anything that basically is on my mind that I, that I want to talk about. Um, you know, so if you like long uh, threads about the inner intricacies of uh, fighting games, um, animation, uh, anything that's similar to that, then uh, I'm definitely the place to go for that. So again, that's uh, B-E-E F-Y underscore K-U-N-O-I-C-H-I. Uh, and that's my Twitter handle. So, uh, yeah. yeah, that's me. Yeah, and I just want to emphasize James is an amazing artist. Um, and, uh, yeah, you've been doing some really cool um, storyboarding work lately. So, yeah, check out his Twitter feed. Yeah. Take, take a look at uh, yeah, the cool art that he's making. <laughs> Speaking of storyboarding, uh, if you are impressed with what you see and you would like to see more and you need someone to do storyboards, uh, you know, definitely talk to me. Uh, I definitely am looking forward to any uh, new opportunities uh, in animation. So that's also something to consider oh, yeah. if you are listening to this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If, if you're listening to this and uh, you, you need someone to storyboard like your game or, or a movie, especially anything with like a, a cool like, you know, anime, manga, chanbara kind of touch to it, uh, that kind of flair. Um, yeah, just stylish action. If that's what you need, please, please look up James. Thank you, Richard. Appreciate that. All right. Thanks, guys. All, always a pleasure recording with you. Okay. And to everyone listening, uh, thank you and stay safe. Later.